Turn in your copy of God's Word, the Bible, to Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, We've begun a series called uh, Prayers of Christmas. Last week we looked at the ancient, future, and present cry for rescue and how Christmas is God's answer to that cry for rescue. Today we're looking at Isaiah chapter 9 and we're going to see how that God answers the cry for peace at Christmas. While you're turning there, I want to remind you of a couple of things. First, uh, we are praying each day at 1 o'clock for one minute for one thing. And this past week, we've been praying, you and I have been praying, we've been praying together as a church, praying that uh, we might see lives changed at Christmas at first. And I want to encourage you to continue praying for Christmas at first tonight. Pray that those who are far from God or disconnected from God, uh, that they would not just hear good songs or good words or good sermons or talks. Pray that God by His Spirit would transform their heart and that they would be changed by God's grace. Pray for a miraculous, overwhelming sense of God's grace Shutting the door on sin and opening the horizon to a new life for that person. Let's pray. Uh, Now, beginning today through the end of the year, I want us to pray for Christmas Eve. don't know if you realize this, but Christmas Eve has become one of the top three attended uh, weekends for the church today. It's it's a change. It's a transition. Uh, Christmas Eve now... uh, in some places at some times is more well attended than Mother's Day, which has always been the second most attended uh, time during the year at church. Easter obviously remains number one, but Christmas Eve uh, is uh, one of the top three. And the reason is because people are more readily receptive to an invitation to come and at least be somewhat traditional at Christmas by coming to a Christmas Eve service. We need to invite and help people, especially those who are distanced from God, who are far from Him, help them get into an environment, Christmas Eve, where they can hear the good news of Jesus and perhaps their life be transformed by His grace. Hey, listen, you're not asking people to come to a show. Just... Don't, don't even evaluate it like that. Well, I don't know. It's not my cup of tea. I don't know if I can invite people to a Christmas. You know, I don't really enjoy Christmas Eve. Well, get over yourself. It's not about you. It's about sharing the good news with someone who does not know Jesus. Now, this isn't about us getting our fancies tickled. This is about us loving God, loving others, and living the mission that he's given us. So let's, let's work hard and pray hard. That lives will be changed at Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, we're doing it this way. At 3 o'clock and at 7 o'clock, we're going to have Christmas Eve at First Norfolk on Kempsville. And at 5 o'clock, we're going to have Christmas. That's what I meant. Y'all are looking at it and correcting me. That's great. Y'all are involved. Uh, The rest of you are trying to, what is he talking about? Uh, At 3 and at 7, we're having Christmas Eve worship gathering at First Norfolk on Volvo. And at 5 o'clock, we're having First uh, Christmas Eve worship gathering here 
at First Norfolk on Kempsville. And it is going to be a wonderful time uh, here at Kempsville. It's going to be uh, a, just a wonderful celebration time, singing songs of the season, but sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to continue. Uh, pick one of those three uh, and bring somebody with you, and let's see, see lives change. Because really, that's what each of these weekend sermons are about as well. Each passage speaks to how Jesus is God's answer to the deep needs of the human heart. Christmas is the inauguration of God's provision for the need that every person here has. And every person, not just in this setting, but every setting. Not just in this world, uh, country, but in every country, every nation, every tribe has a longing in the heart for, uh, that, that begs for an answer. And, and one, of that, one of those yearnings is peace. As we look at Isaiah chapter 9, we hear God's answer to the cry, the ancient cry of his people, but also every person. Since the beginning of time and the undoing of humanity in the Garden of Eden, we have been in search for peace. We've been in, in search for something to fix what's broken in us. And not just with uh, Israel or the church in the New Testament, but in every nation, every tribe, every person, one of the deep yearnings of the heart is for peace. We hear it in the ancient philosophers like Sophocles and Epictetus uh, talking about the need for freedom from, uh, they wouldn't call it stress, but that's what they're talking about. It's, it's freedom from anxieties that overwhelm. Uh, Sophocles wrote an entire play about individuals trying to escape the anxiousness of their soul uh, through all kinds of weird and unusual pursuits. Um, really, two plays. One is called Antigone. The other is called Oedipus. And um, you can look those up later and find out how the main characters and even the peripheral characters are searching for peace and the pursuits that they take to find it. Romeo and Juliet, you know the story. By the way, a guy named Shakespeare wrote that play. Romeo and Juliet, we hear uh, Shakespeare's pen talk about the yearning for peace. He says, care keeps watch in every man's eye, and where care lodges, sleep will never lie. And what that means is Shakespeare understood that every person has anxieties that keep them awake at night. He said it a lot better than I did, but that's what he's talking about. Now, we understand that there is a need for peace. But this peace is more profound than just uh, fixing uh, some disconnected kind of things in our life. Uh, certainly, I feel that. You know what stresses me out? Automobiles. Uh, I just uh, It can be something as minor as the tires being out of line. 
it just drives me crazy. Or it could be turning the car on and the engine's running rough and it needs a tune-up. Just drives me crazy. Or it can be getting in the car and turning on the heater on a day like today and the heater doesn't work. It just stresses me out. But really, when it comes down to it, what I need is more than just my wheels aligned. I need more than just uh, the, the engine tuned up. I need more than merely the heater fixed. I need something more than that for my everyday life, although that is certainly part of it. I, I need more than just a temporary fix. I need a mechanic. I need someone who is with me all the time that can take my fleet of automobiles because they're all used. They all come down to uh, different problems. And, and I need a mechanic who will be with me and stick with me and fix what's broken in each one of those automobiles. Uh, that, I don't need just a, a tune-up. I need the one to tune it up. It's like this. We, we have problems in our life and we have struggles that we face so often we're looking for band-aids and this is a little band-aid that's a nice thing we like band-aids I like band-aids they're wonderful a band-aid you open them up you put them on a boo-boo and and I don't know if it does anything for it but it sure does make it feel better or at least it, it you think it's going to make it feel better put a little oozy stuff on the underside of that thing put that on there I don't know what the oozy stuff is we have doctors who can tell you that but uh, put some of that oozy stuff put that on there and don't even think about it. wonderful that's great for a scratch but a Band-Aid doesn't do much good with a broken bone. And say I'm out in my yard and I'm, I'm, I'm trimming the hedges. And, and while I'm trimming the hedges, my hand rubs up against a, 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 a twig and it, it, it slices the top of my hand. I'm going to go get a Band-Aid. I'm going to put that on there and that'll be just fine. But suppose I'm on a ladder in my backyard and I'm cleaning out the gutters and I slip and fall and I break my arm. I'm not asking for a Band-Aid. I need a physician who can set my bone so it can be made whole. In our life today, many of us are settling for a Band-Aid when only a physician will do. We need more than just a Band-Aid for a broken bone. And that's what God is promising us in this passage in Isaiah chapter 9. He's saying, hey, listen, there are people who are living in the land of shadow." Isaiah 9, 2, the, the people who are living in the land, uh, uh, who are living in deep darkness, the people who are living in the land of shadow, he's speaking to them, he's speaking to us. We understand the pain and the confusion and the, and the despair and the weakness that darkness can bring. And anytime you see that used in, 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 in the Bible, the way it's used here, you go to the Gospel of John and he has this wonderful uh, foil between darkness and light. Darkness and light. It begins it. Uh, in John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, Word was with God, and the Word was God. And uh, the Word, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and nothing was made that was made apart from him. And in him was life. Verse 4. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. Verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness could not overwhelm it. 
When we see this comparison between darkness and light, as we do in verse 2 of, of Isaiah's prophecy, we, we, we begin to understand he's talking more than just the sunrise and the sunset. He's talking about darkness being the picture of despair, of literally confusion, literally the picture of trouble, Literally, the picture of loneliness. The children of Israel were were stuck in this darkness and in the deep shadows of life. They were stuck because of their sin. They had chosen rebellion against God. And as judgment, after hundreds of years of patience, God finally said, Okay, judgment's going to come. I'm going to discipline because of your consistent rebellion. And so Assyria had come to overtake Israel. And now, with the impending doom that a foreign power brings, Israel is sitting in the darkness, overwhelmed by confusion, overwhelmed by uh, trouble, overwhelmed by isolated loneliness. They're living in darkness and in the shadow. And many of us have felt that way. And many of us perhaps are there today. I got a letter this week and wanted to read a portion of it to you. This is a cry for peace. Quote, the year, this year has been hard. We live in insufficient funds, past due bills, always catching up. Worrying what tragedy will strike today, laying our head down on a pillow, wondering and thinking about our trouble. Why are we always here? Why can't we get out? Why are we always caught in the trap of bad decisions? She goes on, closes the letter like this. I'm like a selfish child who's been given every toy imaginable but wanting more. I'm tossing the best aside and holding out her hands for even more. The people who walked in darkness, people just like you and me, it's a place of dread. It's a place of doom. We're chilled to the soul by sin and circumstance. We long for security but find only despair We're filled with insecurities of impending doom. Our world is wrapped in confusion and trouble and loneliness that darkness brings. Real people living in the region of shadow and death. And we have real needs. But we need more than a band-aid. We need more than a temporary fix to an eternal pain. We need more than a season of good cheer that fades like the greenery of Christmas garland. We need need more than just somebody to line up our tires and tune up our engine and make the heater work. We need more than that. You need more than that. We Understand what it means to have a real hunger and a real need in life. 
And that's what the darkness symbolizes. It's, it's a symbol of the absence of peace. It's a picture of the confusion and the trouble and the loneliness of life. It's the place where, where everything's out of whack. Now you've got it, I've got it, we all have it. And those things that seem to steal away peace. And that's why the angel came to the shepherds. Here are a people that were absolutely bereft of stuff that makes for peace. They had nothing. They lived hand to mouth. They had a hard life, a hard journey every single day. And so here they are in in the first century, 4 or 5 BC, and, and they're sitting out keeping watch over their flock by night. It's a cold night, I would imagine, because, you know, we celebrated at Christmas. It must have been December then for them. That's a joke, by the way, and some of y'all will get that, but it may or may not have been December, but it was cold. It was lonely, and they had a tough life. But an angel appeared with good news of great joy. That will be for all people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this is a sign that will be unto you. They'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This is good news. Guys, listen. This is why we celebrate at Christmas. If indeed we have tasted this wondrous gift of God's provision and love and life that he's unleashed upon us in the person of Jesus, we celebrate because it's good news. It's good news for you. It's good news for me. Christmas is God's answer to our ancient cry for peace. We hear it as as God speaks to the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, beginning of verse 6, he says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Oh, that's, that's who we need. We need the one who has come to fight for our peace. We need the one who has come to deliver the peace that we need. If darkness is the absence of light, Jesus is the light that dispels the darkness upon us, you and me, the light has shined. It's a light that delivers peace. Can I tell you a little bit about peace? Peace, for many of us, is the, the tires being aligned, the radio, uh, the heater working, and, and uh, uh, the, uh, the engine tuned up. That, that, for many of us, that's peace. But, but that's not the kind of peace that Scripture talks about. It doesn't mean that he ignores those things. God certainly pays attention when my engine is not running right. I mean, I I believe that. I'm, I'm thankful for that. But he doesn't want me to get distracted by a band aid for a tune up when really I need the great physician for my soul. See, that's really what we need. That's really what Christmas is about. It's not about getting gifts under a tree, it's about the babe in a manger in a stable who has come to give us life. 
peace. Peace is more than just the absence of conflict. Peace is more than just the dismantling of the things that cause us trouble. Peace, peace is taking that which has been broken and making it whole. Peace is more than a band-aid for a broken bone. Peace is the great physician who sets the bone and makes it whole. Today, understand Jesus has come not to give you a band-aid to make you feel good for this moment and it be gone. Jesus has come to take charge of your life and to take what has been broken and make it right. He's the Prince of Peace. And as the Prince of Peace, the reason that, that, that the, the children of Israel were called and we are called to rejoice is because Jesus shatters that which shatters our life. And Jesus puts together what's broken and he looks and he evaluates our life and he understands what has shattered us. And so he goes and he makes war upon the things that have shattered our soul and he destroys them. Now, I want, you to, I want you to hear verse 3 and 4 of chapter 9. And I want you to listen to it with ears, not just of where the children of Israel were, but think about your life. Think about what is it that has created the distance between you and God that robs you of peace. Here's what. Here's what Israel says to God. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. You've broken the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the days of Midian. Now, what's he talking about? Well, all those imagery, the yoke, the staff, and the rod are all pictures of the of the judgment, the oppression that was upon the children of Israel. And why were they under oppression? Why were they having a foreign power beating them down, binding them up, imprisoning them? It's because of the consequence of their sin. Their sin had put them under that judgment. Make no mistake, sin always carries consequence. And it's always a consequence more uh, costly than we want to pay. Sin ultimately has the highest consequence, and that is separation between us and God. The distance between us and God describes the absence of peace in our life. Say it a different way, the further God is away from us, the less peace we'll ever have. And sin is the greatest culprit. But Jesus shatters sin and shatters the yoke of the burden of sin. Through his own death on the cross, what Jesus accomplished in his death, in his life, in his birth, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection is to give us freedom from sin's consequence. Give us liberty instead of death to give us peace. See, sin has killed us. It's broken us. But Jesus has come to give us life. Don't settle for a band-aid when your soul is broken. Trust in Jesus. Give your life to him, and he will give you peace. Jesus shatters what shatters our soul. Jesus gives perfect counsel in our confusion. 
Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. I like wonderful counselors. I have counselors in my life, people who come alongside me and give me wisdom. I'm thankful for them. I turn to them. I need them in my life. I'm thankful for for those type counselors. I'm thankful for the counseling profession, those uh, wonderful counselors that God has provided, Christian counselors that you can go to, and they can help you unwrap some of the, some of the tangled thinking in your life and, and give you a, a clear path to walk. I'm thankful for those, for those counselors. I'm, I'm thankful for your counsel. I'm thankful for that. But can I tell you, the counselors that, that I go to, or the, the counselors that, that you go to, the counselors that we go to, as wonderful as they may be, they pale in comparison to the perfect, wonderful counselor who is Jesus. Can I just tell you something? Some of you, some of us, all of us at different times, turn to counsel on how to navigate the confusion of our days, and that counsel is the last and final say of what we do. But we live in a confusing world, and I don't have all the answers. I hope you understand that. I don't have all the answers. I know some, sometimes people come, well, you're the pastor. Aren't you supposed to have all the answers? No, I'm looking just like you are. Some of us are depending on the Band-Aid of good people giving us good advice and acting as if that's the final say. Can I just tell you that there is no one with infinite wisdom except Jesus alone? Can, can I just humbly suggest that if you're spending more time looking and, and, and watching and listening to the self-help gurus or your best friends, then you are opening God's Word, listening to the Spirit of God speak to you through the Word of God, then, friends, you are settling for a Band-Aid. When your vision is broke. We need more than just this is the way I've always done it. Or we need more than this is what I've learned in my textbooks. We don't need another textbook. We need the one about whom the textbook is written. We need Jesus. By the way, don't you know Jesus is the one who made all things? He understands us inside and out. He understands the happenings and the, and the movement of the world and the shape and the force of the circumstances that, that confront us. Jesus knows it all, and he is the wonder of a counselor, giving us perfect counsel for every circumstance. He is our wonderful counselor, and when we trust him and turn to him and follow his infinite wisdom then we will have peace. Don't settle for a Band-Aid when your vision is broke. Humble your heart before Jesus. Humble your heart before Jesus as he speaks infinite wisdom into our everyday life. Jesus gives perfect counsel to dispel the confusion. Jesus gives us unlimited power in our trouble. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government be upon his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
Each day brings challenges, obstacles, and difficulties that confound and confuse us. We can be captured in a maelstrom of unmanageable moments, meeting mountains beyond our ability to move. And it seems like that's every day for me. The, the circumstances that, that, that we encounter can be so overpowering and overwhelming to us. And, and, and that's why it keeps us up at night. That's why we can't sleep. It's because we think we've got to move the mountain on our own. But can I tell you that the mighty God has got this? And this is Jesus, and he has infinite power, the power that moves mountains, that stops the sun in its track, the power that literally, literally rolls away death's door and resurrects out from it. This is Jesus, and when we are tied to him intimately and personally, profoundly giving ourselves to him, purposefully depending upon him, then he will move the mountains. That's what he's promised. But our problem is we're settling for a Band-Aid when our strength is broke. Just a little feel-good moment, something to encourage us or inspire us. And, And we're settling for those moments of inspiration, and they're wonderful, but we're not abandoning our ourselves by faith into the hands of the only one who can move mountains. The promise that gives us peace is a person. His name is Jesus. He is the mighty God. Jesus gives us unlimited power in our trouble, and Jesus finally gives us soul-satisfying love in our loneliness. Don't have time to spell all this out, but let me just say Christmas is a lonely time of year for so many. It hurts. I know it does. I read every single week those prayer requests displaying a heart that is hurt and desperate for peace. This is a lonely time a lonely time of year. Many of us are here and, and we have experienced life in its trauma, in its difficulty. And, and, and for, so often, for so many of us at different times, we have behaved as if we were like Scrooge or Grinch. And both of those Christmas characters have something in common, a heart that's been broken. And so they isolate themselves in a cocoon of loneliness trying to cover their hurt and their pain and their bitterness by uh, amassing uh, possessions, trash and gold, and by hurting other people. But it doesn't fix their broken heart. Can I tell you that I can't fix your broken heart either? With all our best intentions, all our grand schemes and plans, all of the compassion that God has given us to share with others, we can't fix broken hearts. But my goodness, we know the one who can. He is Jesus. 
He is the everlasting Father. He is the picture of a perfect Father wrapping us up in His arms of love to give us the nourishment to our soul, the satisfaction for our, uh, for our uh, search for significance and meaning. He is the one who looks at the hole in every person's heart and He fills it perfectly. Stop looking to lesser loves to satisfy your soul. Don't depend upon a band-aid when your heart is broke. But turn to Jesus, who is the embodiment of perfect love, to match the whole in every human heart. When it's all said and done... Christmas itself calls us to answer this question. Will I allow Jesus, the Christ child, will I allow Jesus, God become flesh, will I allow Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, will I allow Jesus to have government over my life. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. What about the government of your life? Set down the band-aids. Stop settling for a temporary easing of the pain and the anxiousness and trust in the good physician, the only one who can take what is broken in us and make it whole. And he desires to do that for you today. I've tried to be a good dad to my daughters, and I've been an okay dad for my daughters And different times they've scraped their knees or cut their elbows or had a boo-boo or a bruise. And they've come running to me or their mother. When they've come to me, I've looked and evaluated. And and there have been times when we should have taken them to the emergency room that I didn't. That's on me. But most time we evaluate and we see it's just a bruise or it's just a scrape. And we get down there and we talk to them with soothing words and their tears flowing down their cheeks and we hold them close and we blow on the boo-boo and, and we even get a band-aid to put it on the boo-boo. And, and invariably, they'll have, they have at times said, Daddy, can you kiss it and make it better? And boy, I've kissed it. And I don't remember which one turned to me particular time I kissed the boo-boo and one of those girls turned to me and she said, Daddy, can you kiss it better because it still hurts? <laughs> Some of you are here today and you, you need somebody to kiss it better because it still hurts. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he wants to take you up in his arms and he wants to fix what's broken in you. And make you whole. Will you let him?
today. Would you bow your heads, please? As we close this time of worship and celebration, I just want to encourage you to look to Jesus. I I don't know what's broken. I know all of us have some brokenness in us. All of us do. You'll hear me say on more than one occasion, hey guys, I'm, I'm a little broken. And I am. And I know that. But can I tell you that the best thing you can do, especially as we celebrate Christmas, the most important thing you can do is go to Jesus and he will kiss your wound and he will make it whole. But you've got to let him Stop depending on a Band-Aid to fix a broken soul or a broken vision or a broken heart. Trust in Jesus. And He will make you whole. So in these next few moments, says. Our worship team comes to lead us. I invite you just to sit and reflect and meditate and think and pray and talk to Jesus, the good shepherd, and and talk to him about what is hurting in your heart. Cry out to him with a cry for peace, but then listen to him as he shatters what's shattering you. Listen to him and obey him as he gives you perfect counsel in your confusion. Trust Him and humble yourself before Him as He gives you infinite power to match your weakness. Listen to Him, submit to Him, follow Him, obey Him as He gives you a soul-satisfying love for your broken heart. And worship Him with all that you are. Oh God, we have come here today to adore you, to bless you, to worship you. I pray that we might set our gaze upon Jesus, whom you sent to make us whole. And may we adore him. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.